Hello and welcome to this episode of the Writing Talk podcast. I'm your host, the author Michael Campling, known to friends as Mikey. And after a quick skedaddle through any bits of news I might have, we're going to dive into our main topic this week, which is about inclusion and equality and all those other great things that we strive for. And after that, there will be a brief Writer's Toolbox session. Welcome to the Writing Talk podcast, the show that helps you to build your skills as we go on our writing journey together. Okay, what have I been up to? Well, I've had my latest mystery back from the editor in uh, in quick time, which I was pleased with, and there weren't many things to correct in there, which I was also pleased with. The editor seemed to think that uh, my writing at this stage didn't need that much doing to, and that's that's quite nice. But then I have, you know, I've produced quite a few bits of work over the last few years. So I guess it's just, you know, if you're starting out, you do get better at this stuff. It does get easier. Just keep plugging away at it. Learn what you can, do what you can to improve. And I've been putting my mystery books out into the wide world in the sense of going wide. So yes, that thing of launching them on the various different platforms. And at first, when you do one book, if you've been used to being exclusive to Amazon, you think, gosh, this is a lot more work that I didn't have to do. And yes, it is more work. Um, you can reduce that amount of work, as I said in an earlier episode, if you think about using something like draft to digital I do recommend draft to digital It is a good service. And there's a, a link on the site, writingtalkpodcast.com, which is like a, a referral link, which will um, help to support the podcast if you use that, because uh, I get a little sort of reward from draft to digital but I wouldn't mention them unless you know I recommended their services so they will cover lots of things so I use them for things like the library services things like overdrive um, Barnes and Noble as well some of the subscription services like um, I call it scribed I know some people pronounce it scribed I'm not quite sure I'm sure it's a you know it's scribed with the e taken out and um Oh, there's one or two others that I use. There's quite a few in there. It's worth ticking most of the boxes. I do go to Kobo Writing Life Direct um, because that gives you access to their various promotional tools that they have. And that's a slick interface. Kobo Writing Life is not at all difficult to use. It's probably one of the easier ones. Drafter Digital isn't hard. That's what they do. It's, you know, it's their, their aim is to make things easy. So they take care of all kinds of things for you, optionally, some of them. Um, so yeah, I use Drafted Digital for a lot of them. I go direct to Kobo Writing Life. I am going direct to Google Play Books and they have revamped their interface and it's not bad. The pricing, um, panel takes a bit of thinking around. I think you could probably just put one default price for the whole world if you wanted to and leave it at that. But it's a, it's a little bit confusing, but it's not too bad. It's, they're certainly improving it and they have made huge improvements in recent years. And then I also go direct to Apple and that interface, you know, it's fair to say could do with some work. There's some things there that look distinctly kind of 90s, kind of 80s. Um, but, you know, it, it's not it's not terrible and they are improving it and they are making it more open. So I think it is worth going that route. Um, and if you have a look at it and you don't like it, then you can always um, go to them through draft to digital. The only one I don't really use is Smashwords, and I just find that in 
Perhaps if you're only using one platform, Smashwords might do you because it's sort of a bit of a Swiss Army knife type approach. But it's it's not a great interface. It's not particularly easy to work with. And I, I'm not sure if they still have their um, their style guide that they used to insist on. But um, I don't use it. And I, I find that more of a headache than anything. So uh, unfortunately, I'd love to be able to support them. But at the moment, their interface isn't... Um, isn't up to it for me because it's just it's just too much of a headache. If you're great at it, then, you know, well done uh, for persisting with it. So that's what I've been up to. And with that, we'll get into our main topic, which is all about inclusion and equality and diversity. OK, so this isn't a political podcast and I don't want it to become one, but recent issues um, that have highlighted some of the inequalities that I think lots of us knew were there in various societies around the world, and have have really sort of been thrown into uh, thrown into sharp relief recently. So I think it is worth taking a look at these issues that have been around for a long time, and really I think it's about time we had a bit of an acceleration in the rate of change and improvement because we have all seen the buzzwords we've all you know seen the slogans and most of us I'm sure uh, consider ourselves to be decent people who would like to make the world a better place but I think we need to go a bit further than good intentions and you know if you're if you're ticking all these boxes already then good for you you know well done but you're probably uh, a way ahead of me but I came into some of these, into my awareness of some of these issues way back when uh, I was training to be a primary school teacher when I had a really good uh, grounding in these kind of issues because very important, you're, you're dealing with the opportunities that are presented to young kids at an early stage in their life. And if you can get those early education experiences right, that can be really helpful. So I've got a bit of a background in thinking about these things, but... I still have a long way to go. I think I have a long way to go in understanding what the issues are and in educating myself and taking time to listen and to find out. And I think I have a long way to go in the diversity um, that is covered in my work. And I think we all need to have an ongoing and I hope gradually improving awareness as we go forwards. Now, I think the first step is kind of to, to recognise the issues and to be ready and open-minded and ready to explore them, ready to take a step back and think, okay, things clearly are not all right. What can I do to help? How can I find out more? Uh, there are lots of sources of information online. I've had a quick um, a quick run through some of them recently and there's there's just so much information out there. You can find stuff in a in a platform that will be uh, engaging for you. So that you know there are videos, there are podcasts, there are there's stuff to read online. There's blogs. There's everything you can think of out there. And I, I won't particularly refer to to specific sites, but I think a quick search into some of the issues, such as looking for for things like equality and diversity and inclusion or or you know, what do we mean by inclusive? I think you'll find plenty to look at. And I think as writers, we need to realise that 
part of our job description is to represent the world and not just the world as we see it or experience it, but the world as it is. And even if we're writing about fantastical worlds that are purely fictional, you know, perhaps in fantasy or sci-fi or something, then those worlds are in of themselves a reflection of present day life to some degree. And I think those issues are still present in those places. And stereotypes exist and they feed into our work um, sort of at a subconscious level, I think. We're affected by bias and by, to some degree, prejudices that are kind of deep within us. Um, But we've got to remember we're in control of those and we have to examine what we're doing. And we need to look at the way that we're representing people in our work. And that comes to all people and all characters, I think. So we we need to explore the issues for our own background information. And that information needn't necessarily go into our work directly in some kind of info dump, but it, it needs to be there in the back of our mind informing us as we write. And yes, we can we can push at boundaries. We can examine the realities of life for people in, say, um, minority groups who are um, underrepresented in fiction. But again, that doesn't have to be kind of upfront. It doesn't have to be the subject of our work. It's, it's part of what feeds into the nature of our characters, I think. I don't know if I'm explaining this very well, but I'll give you an example of something that kind of chimed with me. Um, I've seen quite a few of the Black Mirror episodes, which started off on the BBC and then went to uh, Netflix. And there's all kinds of interesting material in those. But there was one called the, I think it was called The Fighting Scorpions. And it just happened to have a cast of actors who were black. But the episode was not about that. It wasn't about any of the issues that they may be facing. It was just a story in which those realistic, fully drawn characters um, were explored in within the context of the plot. And it was nothing to do with the colour of their skin or anything else. They just happened to be black. And I thought that was a really well done example of representation. Um, and, you know, I think, I think great credit to them to, to, have, to have cast that in that way. I, I think, um, I think that was fantastic. That was really superb. And I think that kind of representation of all kinds of people, whether it could be, um, diverse genders, minority ethnic groups, uh, people with sensory or physical impairments, um, that kind of thing. Or it could be um, conditions which may affect uh, ways of life for people. For instance, it's become a bit of a, a, a almost a trend for people to to discuss more about autism or autistic spectrum uh, disorder within dramas and fiction. These things are important and they, they need to be there. They need to be in our work so that our, we can really say that we're you know doing our bit to make our work inclusive, as inclusive as possible, because people need to see themselves represented. 
And there's a saying, isn't there, about you, you can't want to be it if you can't see it. And we all want to be represented. And some groups of society are already very heavily represented. And compared to that representation, the other groups are really missing out. I mean, we are talking about, you know, what if we had to put it on a split, what it, what would it be? You know, 99% to 1%? I don't know. Um, the, the kind of overrepresentation of the, the white male, uh, the white Western society male is, is just just huge. So I think we need to shift that needle a long, long way. And we need to be as inclusive as we possibly can. Because I, I just feel that we can all do better. I mean, you might feel ill-equipped to tackle some of these issues. You might think, well, I, I don't know, you know enough about what that experience is like. I'm not the person to do it. But we're all the person to do it. It's all of our jobs. I mean, you know, I've, I've never... Uh, been shipwrecked on an H, on a on a hostile planet. I've never solved a murder, but it doesn't stop me writing about those things. You know, we're writers. We have empathy. We can get to grips with with characters and with situations. We can think ourselves into someone else's shoes, perhaps better than most people can. And that's what it's all about. It's about making characters from all kinds of diverse backgrounds real. It's about drawing them fully and making them part of your fictional worlds. So yeah, you may worry about getting it wrong. You may worry about kind of tokenism. You might worry even about uh, the issue of cultural appropriation. But we need to we need to get beyond those those barriers. They're, they're, in a, those, they're almost in a danger of becoming like crutches or things that are getting in the way that, you know, they're in a, a fig leaf to cover up the fact that we're not doing better. Um, don't worry about getting it wrong. Have a go. And then if, if you're concerned, then perhaps you have writers groups which might be more diverse from which you might be able to get get some people to read through, you know, just make sure you've you've got things right and you haven't inadvertently caused offence or, or written something, uh, a character in a way that seems like too much of a, a cliche or, or too demeaning or whatever. But I certainly think we can... Uh, we can give it a go. We need to, to make a, a good start on it really today. You know, we need to we need to look at this now and get this sorted out. Um, one thing that, that might help you to, to tackle those worries is just make sure that the characters that you are including from some sort of diverse background are real. Um, make sure they those characters count for something. Give them agency. You know, don't make them a, a sort of walk-on bit bit part in chapter 37 where they come in and say a sentence and go out again you know where it's it's that's we're way past that point we can't have that now we need we need to do so much better i mean maybe it's it's not a main character you're dealing with but certainly one of the main ones i would think would be great why not be the main character you know just throw it open open throw your mind open a bit to this possibility and seeing if it can't enrich your enrich your writing at the same time um as writers we don't just record the world, we investigate it, we interrogate it. So what can you find out about that other group that you can bring to your work? Not in some way of just making something a bit novel, but in a way of making it richer, making it more representative of the world. Because we want to we want to avoid the cliches. Um, we want to make these characters as fully drawn as possible, just as you would any character. 
there's a programme about um, ability type issues on, on BBC radio that I've, I've listened to quite a lot. And um, I've always liked the title of it. The title of the programme is called No Triumph, No Tragedy. And I've always liked to keep that in mind. So if you're writing about somebody, you know, perhaps they have a, a physical or a sensory impairment. And it's very tempting to think uh, in terms of, oh, look at this brave person. They, they, that's a triumph. They've overcome their difficulty. Or, oh, dear, look at this poor person. Uh, they're in a wheelchair or something. And no, those people don't want to be painted in those stereotypical cliched ways. They want to be seen of as fully rounded human beings. And what do they want? They want to get on with their lives. You know, they want to just do whatever it is they do. And perhaps they want to get up and go to work in the morning. And to them, yes, that those abilities or impairments might be a very important part of their existence. But it doesn't have to be the only thing that defines them. None of us like to feel as though we are limited by one tiny aspect of our characters. We want to feel as though people around us see us uh, more for what we are. We don't want to be kind of labelled and put into a little box. Well, neither does anybody else, you know. We all want to have the freedom to fully express ourselves and to be our kind of best version of ourselves, regardless of, of whatever uh, life might have thrown at us in terms of things that could be limitations. So as I mentioned before, you know, it just takes a bit of empathy. We're writers. It's our job. We're good at this stuff. We're good at empathy. We're good at thinking our way into that, those situations. So let's explore them and let's let's bring them into the light as much as possible, because those voices, those characters are missing to far too great a degree. And also, I think having an inclusive approach goes beyond just what's written on the page, because we're part of a community of writers and we have other professionals around. We are out there choosing professionals to work with, like um, editors and cover designers and so on. And often those people have little uh, profile pictures or avatars up there to look at. And we need to make sure that we are being just as open and as equal in our approach to people of all kinds of backgrounds on there as well. You know, is there something that we can do to hire somebody who might be from an underrepresented group? When it comes to other writers, regardless of their background, we can go out of our way to make people feel welcome because, you know, we have online groups, we might go to conferences and I'm sure most people um, are, are absolutely great with each other. But I, I do think having been to a couple of events myself, I've kind of been struck by how kind of uh, how dominated they were by by white men, basically. And I think um, we need to make sure that all our spaces and all our online spaces are safe places for people of all backgrounds, all genders and so on. We really need to make sure that attitudes uh, and professional standards are correct. And if we see other people misbehaving, and, and there are, because there are, there are groups in which there are thousands or tens of thousands of people, um, and you will get some sort of uh, idiot managing to sneak in and causing trouble. You know, we need to call people out. We need to make sure we're reporting um, posts or items or tweets or whatever to make sure that those things are taken down and accounts are closed. 
we can all have a go at that. We can all monitor. And instead of just sort of thinking, oh, yeah, what an idiot, let's scroll past it. Maybe we can uh, take a bit of time out to report a post or something. It might be reporting it to the group's moderators or whatever. But we want to make sure that um, that in our language and in our, our, our dealings with each other, we are inclusive and that we make the world of writing a wonderful place for everyone, regardless of their background. Because I think we really need everybody's voice. I think the world would be richer if all kinds of people are represented in writing fiction. It is absolutely a vital fundamental thing. People have been telling stories for thousands of years and it is one of those things that is, it's got a very um, low barrier to entry and so we really want to get as many people into writing as we possibly can because really even if you're if you're rich or poor you can get into writing and you can have a go. You can put together a, a podcast, a short story, a poem, a play as long as you've got a pencil and a piece of paper, um, most people can, with a bit of encouragement and support, can have a go. Now, yes, yeah, some people, it's going to be so difficult, they need more support. You know, they, they're just not in a position where that can happen. And it would be great to find out about um, programmes maybe in your area. Is there something going on that you could help with? Could you volunteer at? Could you maybe, when things are a bit more open after the... Um, pandemic hopefully dies down a bit when schools are getting back to to normal you know would they welcome a, a visit from a writer who could uh, give them a bit of inspiration and go into schools and say you know you could do this it doesn't matter what your background is it doesn't matter if you're not very good at spelling you could do this you could write a book you could be um publishing you could put together something and put it out into the world you know we can encourage people as much as possible you may also be able to offer support to um, some struggling writers if you're in a group where, say, somebody's asking a question, whether obviously um, more of a, a newbie compared to you and they're you know, trying to find their way through the, the minefield of writing and publishing. It would be quite easy to think, oh, I haven't got time to answer that question. But maybe with a bit of encouragement, that person could be brought on. You know, there might just be a, a stumbling block that they haven't been able to get over. And when we all start off, we all just, we don't know the difference. You know, we don't know what people mean by KDP. We don't know how many words would be in a novel. You know, you've got to think back to that point. We've all started somewhere. I can remember a few years ago, just having to really quickly learn. And I was, you know, really watching podcasts and things and joining groups and finding out as much as I could. And I'm sure I probably asked some really stupid questions at the beginning. And if you find somebody asking questions, you know, maybe you can help out. Maybe you can just take two minutes to write them a quick reply and say something encouraging to them and just say, you know, well done for having a go and wish them luck. I really think that uh, we can all do those little things. And those little actions, if we all do them, and we all do lots of them. They can add up to make a big difference. And if we can do something to encourage the diversity and to broaden the diversity of people who are out there writing fiction, that can only be good. And in our own writing, we can broaden the diversity, the characters we create. We can make them real, fully drawn 
people who interact with the world and have an effect upon it and make things happen, not in a kind of um, stereotypical, cliched way, but in a real way. You know, just because a character who happens to be female has a certain role, it doesn't mean to say she has to be that feisty person. I'm, I'm getting a bit tired of seeing female characters described as feisty or kick-ass or whatever. You know, I, I don't think most women reading that would see their experience reflected in those characters. It's it's a cliche, it's a stereotype, and it, it doesn't do anybody any favours. Um, and I think we all need to educate ourselves and do better than that. We need to represent people in a way that values them, in a way that shows that as writers, we value people of all backgrounds. And whatever that may be, we can represent them in, in ways that make sense, in ways that count, in ways that matter. And I think with that, I'll go on to the Writer's Toolbox section. Okay, in the Writer's Toolbox, I just want to give a quick kind of course correction because in the last episode, I was recommending a bit of software called Plotter and I'm afraid I haven't had much luck with it. I ended up getting a refund. So I don't know if it's a problem with them or with just the Windows version or whatever, but I, I got to a point where it uh, it just wouldn't load on my Windows machine and it was all up to date and everything, but it wouldn't load. So that is is no good for a professional writer. You know, I have I have lots of stuff to do. I can't be dealing with software that doesn't work. So while it looked great uh, at the time, I've kind of uh, taken those links off my website. So just be wary of that. If you've if you're using it, just make sure you back stuff up. And I would say of all software just have a little think about what format it actually saves in, not what it can export to, because most things can export in different formats. Think about what it actually saves in, if it saves in some kind of weird file. Now, if it saves in its own format, in its own um, strange format, for instance, Scrivener files are enormous kind of folders full of lots and lots of different documents. But actually... You can get back to them because each each scene that you've written, each separate little chunk is a, a basic text file. You can get each of your individual files back because they're all RTF files or rich text format files. So they can all be opened by a word processor. Uh, there'll be, you'd have a bit of a job pasting it all back together again um, from lots and lots of different uh, documents. And I think Plotter has its own kind of little format and... The problem with those is if the software doesn't work or if it becomes obsolete or, you know, you don't have it anymore, then you can sometimes find that you can't get back to your files. Some of us might remember when Windows computers used to ship with Microsoft uh, Works, which was a sort of little cut down office suite, which uh, was kind of handy in a way because it was free, but it had its own format. The word type files didn't uh, save in doc or docx. They were in some other weird thing. And if you didn't have Microsoft Works, you couldn't open them very easily. So, you know, don't get stuck like that. 
And for that reason, I do suggest if you're going to do outlining that you do it in a, a kind of very open format like Doc or DocX or um, ODT, which is the open document uh, format. Those work really well. And I've been playing around a bit. This week's tool is LibreOffice, uh, which is a free and open source office suite. Now, it didn't look great, the, the word processor. The, its appearance was a bit off-putting, but I sat down maybe half an hour, maybe 40 minutes. I looked up a few things and I just made it look a bit more how I wanted. And it's very customizable, so it didn't actually take me long to sort of tidy up the toolbars and things and make a nice, fairly minimalist interface that actually looks quite nice to work with. I have used it before because it can be quite handy in formatting. Um, it handles styles in a, a nicer way than Word does, which kind of hides the styles away um, so you can hardly tell what's going on in Word. But LibreOffice is um, a bit more upfront about uh, styles, allowing you to to style documents um, in a much more transparent and controllable way, which is what it all comes down to uh, formatting. It's all about knowing exactly what's happening. Otherwise, you're tearing your hair out when it, you look at something later and you think, well, why Why is that font that size? I haven't set it that size. You know, that's the kind of thing that Word can drive you mad because um, because it's kind of hidden some information away and it won't let you tell <laughs> It refuses to tell you about it um, because it's trying to make things easy for certain things, certain uses. Um but it's not good for formatting and I, I can recommend it. So I think if you're doing outline or, or a drafting type process, I think LibreOffice is perfectly capable and it's totally free. So there's no barrier to, to getting going. OK, well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. It's perhaps been a little bit heavier in some ways than uh, some of the previous episodes. But I think these issues are important and I've had a had a bit of a go at, at sort of prodding you to look into them. And it's kind of what I try and do in this podcast. I I don't have all the knowledge in the world and I can't advise you about everything, but I hope I can prompt you to interrogate your own practice a little bit and to think about as we go forward, how you can look at what you're doing and make it a little bit better. And if you get a little bit better at something each day, then you will eventually become fantastic at it. So Whatever you do, keep writing, keep tapping at the keys and keep scribbling away. And while you're doing it, keep smiling. So thanks very much for listening. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and links and so on will be over on the site at writingtalkpodcast.com. If you like the podcast, please tell your friends about it as well so that we can get a few more people listening. Okay, thanks very much and goodbye.